0: Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Uh, Well, good morning. Uh, My name is Brad, and I'm the campus pastor here in Argyle, and, and pleased to be with you uh, if you would open your Bible to the book of John, we're going to be in John chapter twenty. Uh, if you did not bring a Bible, that's okay. There's probably one in your phone, but if not, there's one underneath the seat somewhere around you, so you can grab that. If if you do come here uh, often, I would I would just encourage you to bring a physical Bible because that's what we preach out of. Because I don't really have anything interesting to say, but but God certainly does. Um, and so we've been in this 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 short sermon series. Uh, encounters with Christ. And what we're doing is we're looking in the Bible at certain instances when people encounter the risen Jesus. What happens when you meet Jesus, the risen Jesus? It's powerful when you meet the risen Jesus. And this morning, I, I hope that that we would together, corporately, encounter the risen Christ in the word of God. And so encounters with Christ is what we've called it. We're going to look at at Thomas this morning. So chapter 20 will be in verse 24 through 31. God's word says this. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So this is God's word. And we're looking at Thomas, which, which he's often referred to as doubting Thomas, which is not really fair in my humble opinion. Um, it's, it's like an early version of, of cancel culture, right? Thomas is clearly doubting. But if you catch any of us at a moment, I could be doubting Brad. I could be passive aggressive Brad. I could be a lot of different things. But he's called doubting Thomas. And he's, he's clearly having a wrestle with the reality of Christ. Now he knows Jesus. Thomas knows Jesus. He knows him as a friend. He's walked with him. He knows the sound of his sandals next to him on the road. He knows what makes Jesus laugh. He's broken bread with Jesus. He knows this man. He's his friend. He's also seen Jesus heal people. He's seen great demonstrations of Jesus' power over and over again. And he's been taught by Jesus. So Thomas knows him. He knows Jesus, but, but he's got this question, which is the question. The question: Did he rise? Did he rise? This is the question for you, and for me: did he rise? So what are the stakes? What difference does it make? Flip over with me to First Corinthians. Chapter 15. Verse 14 it says this. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. My preaching right now, if Jesus has not risen, in vain, worthless, you should go play golf. And your faith is in vain. If Jesus did not rise, your faith is in vain. In verse 15, I'm misrepresenting God. We who preach Christ are misrepresenting God, saying Jesus has risen if he hasn't. Further, and if Jesus, verse 17, has not been raised, your faith is futile. It means empty, it means nothing, and you're still in your sins. It means there's not victory at the cross, but defeat. Furthermore, verse 18, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Have you lost someone? who's a Christ follower, who you, you picture them in heaven with the Lord in paradise. Reunited. If Jesus didn't rise, that didn't happen. Flip back over to John with me. So this is the question. Did he rise? And Thomas wants to know he wants to know, no, not like we know what Abraham Lincoln did or, or some historical figure that we can read about in a book, but he wants to know like I know the sound of my wife's voice. No, no. He wants to know. So how do we know anything? How do we come to the point of knowing anything? Well, one way would be through experience. learn things in our lives as we go about them. I had this really great idea. Uh, I don't have a lot of hair. I don't know if you can tell. I don't. And so it's pretty low maintenance. And I had this idea. You see the brim of a hat. It curves like this, right? I told my wife, I was like, hey, babe, I think like I saw this on YouTube. If you put it on the back of your head, you can just shave around it and you don't even have to do my neckline anymore. It'll be great. And it was brilliant. And then one day, I was doing this for a while. She's like, hey, what happened to the back of your head? And it was like this, I, she showed me a mirror. It was like this jagged mess, like someone had attacked me with a lawnmower. And so I learned through experience that I probably shouldn't cut my own neckline. But we learn through life. Our, our life validates things. My, my dad told me anything worth doing is worth doing well. My life has borne that out as true. And so we experience things. You experience the character of your friends, of your family. You learn things as you live. There's also, so experience, there's eyewitnesses. Clearly a big deal. Testimony holds up in court. What other people saw, we listened to. We testify. These days we film it on our phones, but like we, eyewitness Testimony is really, really important. We can learn that way. We can know through eyewitness testimony and further just through evidence, through a statement of the facts, looking at the data, experience, and eyewitnesses and evidence. And Thomas has all of these. He's had experience with Jesus, proving over and over and over who he is. He's the son of God. He's got eyewitnesses. He's got his his brothers who are like, hey, we've seen him. I know he went to the cross. We've hung out with him. And there's evidence, the scriptures testify the world has changed at the rising of Jesus. So let's let's just zoom in and get to see his perspective for a moment. Just get on the ground with Thomas. Imagine being Thomas. So he's one of the 12 disciples and, and Jesus comes to the other guys. He's somewhere else. <laughs> That's a bad deal. You want to be there when Jesus shows up, but he's not. And so he comes and, and, and then they tell him, hey, we've seen the Lord. He's like, are you kidding me? I want to believe you, but I want to experience what you've experienced. And so Thomas says, I need verification. I need to see what you've seen. Not not only that, he doesn't just want to see the risen Jesus. That's clearly not enough for him. He wants to touch his scars, the marks of his suffering. He does not want to believe that Jesus is just a ghost, just a vision. But the God-man, the one who is fully God and fully man, who actually suffered, Thomas is like, I want to know. I want to actually No, I need to see his scars. This resurrection question is not just an evidence question, a history question, even a subjective experience question. This is a gospel question. You know what the gospel means? It means good news. And it's only good news if Jesus rose. Matthew 5.3 will be on the screen. It says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's interesting. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Some of us are middle-class in spirit. Some of us are, 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 are you know, I'm, I'm not as bad as I could be, but I'm not perfect. I don't mind doing the no perfect people thing and, and saying I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. I've got some flaws, but I'm not that bad either. Kind of middle-class in spirit. Well, let me tell you something. Middle-class in spirit people They're okay with teacher Jesus. This resurrection question, not that big of a deal. Because if you're middle class in spirit, what what you really want from Jesus is, hey, I can actually do it myself. I just need you to show me how. How? Just give me some more teaching. Let me read the Beatitudes some more. Let me read the Gospels some more. Let me read Proverbs some more. I can do it myself. Just show me how, Jesus. And I know I'll fail and there's grace for me, uh, but, but that's to be middle class in spirit. But no, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones who say, I don't need you to show me how to live a perfectly holy life. I need you to live that life for me because I can't. Because I I fall at your feet saying, "I, I need you. I am destitute in my spirit, destitute in righteousness, bankrupt in righteousness. I need Jesus. Not to show me how to live, but to live that life for me. But if you're middle class in spirit, you say, Teacher Jesus, show me how. And by the way, stay over there. There's categories for Teacher Jesus. Don't come in my bedroom. Don't tell me how to spend my money. Don't get in my business. Just tell me how to live and I'll go do it. Categories for Teacher Jesus. You just keep him at bay, like a, like a guru. Show me how to live, Jesus. Mark 2 says this, it'll be on the screen. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, that's who Jesus hung out with, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. I came to call the poor in spirit. I don't know if you know this, but you are poor in spirit. You aren't killing it. You aren't measuring up, but blessed are those who realize that, who say, yes, I can't. Jesus, you must. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And so if you're middle class in spirit, if you're here and you're just not buying it, if you're comfortable right now, maybe your life has not gone haywire at this moment. Maybe you're prosperous. Maybe you're healthy. I want you to know it's, it's, it's coming for you. One of my jobs as a pastor is to prepare you to suffer. It's coming for you. Suffering is coming for you. People that you love will get sick. You will get sick. You will be hurt. And your sin will find you out. You will come to a place at some point in your life, hopefully before you stand before the throne of judgment, but someday you're going to come to grips with your sinfulness and you're going to come before God and realize you're poor in spirit. You're needy. And I'm needy. Listen, Teacher Jesus cannot help you with your cancer diagnosis. Teacher Jesus cannot help you when you go broke, when the money runs out. Teacher Jesus cannot help you when your marriage crumbles. Teacher Jesus cannot help you when you ruin your life with your sin. Can't help you. Too far away if he's just teacher Jesus. I've been studying John Wooden lately. He's a legendary basketball coach. He's awesome. He's he's long since passed, went to be with the Lord. He says stuff like this Talent is God given, be humble. Fame is man given, be grateful. Conceit is self given, be careful. He just got this, this real simple, beautiful wisdom about him. But, but John Wooden, he can't help me today. I can learn some, some nice little isms and sayings. And th- th- okay, it's helpful, but John Wooden can't be there for me, the dark night of my soul. So we need more than a dead teacher. We need a risen Lord. We need a Lord who has, who has power because sinners and sufferers, all of us are in that category. We need more than good advice. We need good news. News with power to transform us, to lift us. So Jesus shows up for Thomas. You see that? Thomas gives some conditions. I'll believe if you come and I can touch your scars. I'll believe if you show up and I can verify who you are. Notice what Jesus does. He shows up. And what he does not do is show up and say, Thomas, for real? Are you serious? Go ahead, here. No. He shows up with great tenderness and what comes out of his mouth as he transports through the door and the walls somehow is he says, peace be with you. And then he begins to address those things that are holding Thomas back. And he's like, here, you can touch my hands. You can touch my side. I know what you're thinking. I know what's on your heart. He knows. He knows what's on your heart. He knows your doubts. He knows the conditions that you've put between you and him. He knows. And he's a tender God. The God who shows up. And so when Jesus does this, he says, Here, Thomas, here I am. In the flesh, I have risen. It's true. Thomas looks at him and says, My Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. It's true. He couldn't just stand there looking at Jesus and go on about his life. This was no casual encounter. This was not like seeing a shooting star where you go, oh wow, and you're like, what's for dinner? This is a transformative encounter. He could not stay on the fence. He could not stay in his doubt. And so look at verse 30 and verse 31. Look at how how John, the writer of this book, turns to us, church family. He says, these things are written that you may believe. You may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Thomas had to respond to the risen Jesus and so do you. And so do I. Epistemology is, is the study of how we know things. The highest level of knowing, you can say experience, eyewitnesses, evidence, and, and, and those are good. It's the word of God. This is the Inerrant without error, God breathed word of God. And so, as we read about Thomas, we are beholding truth. Truth which demands a response. Have you ever seen, surely you have, seen a wounded veteran? Some of you are veterans. Maybe you're wounded, but have you ever seen a wounded veteran? Maybe someone with a prosthetic leg, with a Marine Corps tattoo at the store with their family. Does that move you? Regardless of what you think about the war they fought in or any of that, does it move you to see a wounded veteran? Does it it touch your heart at all? What about a wounded God? What about a God who shows up and says, see my scars. See my wounds. Jesus didn't have to keep his scars after he rose. He says, see my scars. See my suffering. See that it was for you. Mocked stripped, spit upon, and ultimately killed for you. And here he stands in the word of God, as clearly as it was to Thomas, the word of God shows us here he stands, and so you must make a choice. You crown him or you kill him. He's either the Lord or he's a liar, but he's not nothing. And so you must crown him or you must kill him. And let me tell you something. Kings have territories. Back in the day of of the rule of monarchies, the king of England had the territory of England, king of France, territory of France. Jesus has a territory, King Jesus, and it's everywhere and everything for all time. And it's down to the the, the molecular level, every cell in your body, every blade of grass. He's king over all that. He is king over your suffering. He's king over your life. He's king over your eternity. Teacher Jesus can't reach that far. King Jesus, his territory is everywhere. Is he your king? Is he your Lord? He's risen. <laughs> this is good news. He authenticated who he was. He says, I am king because I will conquer death. And this is why we talk about this over and over and over here. And if you come back, we're going to keep talking about the cross. We're going to keep beholding his scars, the risen Jesus, King Jesus, my Lord and my God. 1 Corinthians 1 will be on the screen. It says, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. We're going to preach his scars, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jesus tells Thomas, don't disbelieve. But believe. So I tell you this morning don't disbelieve, but believe. You can go down the road of epistemology and look at the evidence and look at the history, and you can do all that and go go for it. The Word of God, behold him, here he is with his scars. Doubt your doubts. Disbelieve in your disbelief. We have a scarred Savior, but a victorious Savior. So when Thomas was was looking at Jesus, the actual scars, the actual marks of his agony, he knew full well those are my scars. And they're your scars. You will wear them, or he will wear them for you. The scars of the payment for sin, the scars of going into death and conquering it and coming out and saying, you can have eternal life. Rise with me. History hinges around Jesus. Creation screams his name. The word of God proclaims him. So here he stands. Saying, I suffered for you. You cannot casually believe in the risen Christ. That is not an option. The risen Jesus, having an encounter like Thomas did, and we are by the power of God, by the spirit of God, in the word of God, you have an encounter and you're changed. And so you and I are poor in spirit. You are. But you can be rich in Christ with an eternal inheritance. Would you join me in praying? God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can come under it. Thank you that we can see by it. Holy Spirit, thank you for making these words speak to our hearts and our minds. Thank you, God, that we get to see Thomas, see you, Jesus, get to see you validate who you are. Would we say, would everyone in this room say as we behold you, as we see your scars, as we know that you're risen, my Lord and my God. Help us to doubt our doubts and disbelieve in our disbelief. Strengthen us in faith as we encounter you, Jesus. Jesus pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen.